Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. As we now are in the NFL offseason, not only do we want to break down some of the returning players and, and players going pro for Ohio State, we also got to start kind of taking a look at the Browns offseason here. And to do so, we welcome on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He's a gentleman. He's also NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. Dane Brugler joins us. Dane, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, guys. How are you? Good, man. Good Doing all right. I would have done – I would be doing a lot better right now if Houston had not kicked the crap out of Cleveland on Saturday. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that factors into anything you're doing, but it factored into my week substantially. Well, I, yeah, I, I wish that I, I wasn't talking to you today, knowing the Browns, uh, uh, their season's over. We're, we're, you know, they have the 54th pick in the draft. Uh, that's the first time that they're the first pick that they have this year. Uh, wish we didn't know that, but uh, fortunately, here we are, and it's about all right. Uh, what, what can the Browns do this offseason to get better so it doesn't happen again next year? So I do want to get into some of the Ohio State returnees and also some of the, the guys that are going pro. And J.J. McCarthy just announced he was going mm-hmm. pro. But I, I guess we can start with the Browns here. And I'm just I, – I think the Browns roster-wise are in a much better situation right now heading into the offseason than they were a year ago at this time. But when you look at this roster, where do you see the apparent need for the Cleveland Browns? Well, I think first and foremost, it's it's getting more explosive uh, on offense, especially um, getting more playmakers, getting more weapons. Um, you know, making sure that you're not quarterback dependent, um, uh, offensive game plan dependent. Uh, you have guys that can, uh, you know, they have the answers. Um, you know, guys that find uh, the easy buttons and can go make a play when you get the ball in their hands. And you know, they have a few of those guys, but. Um, you know, finding more uh, through the draft and developing those guys. I think that needs to be a key uh, for this offseason. And obviously it's tough without having that first round pick. But, uh, you know, this is a front office that has, uh, you know, they've done a nice job on day two, whether it's Martin Emerson or um, JOK or, um, you know, they, they Grant Delpit. They, they found guys on day two over the last uh, two, three drafts. And I think they can do it again to help this team in 2024. So as we were talking about that, some of the other areas we talked about were things like middle linebacker and maybe another wide receiver mm-hmm. and you know maybe some developmental offensive line guys, but that's kind of for – but in terms of wide receiver and in, in linebacker, how does this draft – you know, how does this draft kind of shape up for any team in need at those two positions? Well, and, and yeah, and that's really what I was gearing towards uh, about getting more explosive, getting uh, another receiver to this mix that can win with speed, that um, is a more versatile player, can play inside, can play outside. 
And this is a draft that's really receiver rich. We're going to see three receivers, four receivers go in the top probably 15 picks. So it's very top heavy, but the wide receiver position is always, it's going to stretch. We're going to see a couple of others go in the first round. And then we're going to see a, another run in the second round. Uh, I, my two round mock draft on the athletic came out today and I have 11 receivers going in the first two rounds and including one to the Browns at 54. Uh, I had Troy Franklin, uh, the wide receiver from Oregon off the board there. Um, I think he checks a lot of boxes for what this team, uh, you know, wants. Yeah, they want young, explosive guys. Well, that's what Troy Franklin brings. He's still just 20 years old, uh, led the Pac-12 in receiving each of the last two years. Uh, very unpolished player, but he has uh, speed that he, he can win deep. He can win underneath. He can separate. Um, he, he's very lean. He's about 6'2", 185 pounds. But there's a lot of things that you project forward and say, okay, he can help us in year one, but the player he can grow into, that's what gets us excited. And I think Troy Franklin could be one of those guys that's uh, on, on the wish list as we get closer to April. Is Marvin Harrison Jr. like a number one pick type of player, and how high will he go? Uh, I think somewhere in the top four. I'll be surprised if he gets out of the top four. Um, I mean, he is – you can make the argument he's the best wide receiver prospect we've seen uh, the last two decades. Um, I know for me personally, um, you know, it's Calvin Johnson – it's Jamar Chase, and it's uh, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. He just there's no weaknesses to his game. I mean, you really have to nitpick to uh, poke holes in this guy, and so it'll be interesting with the Bears at number one. Um, I, we don't know what the Bears are going to do, but I think most around the league believe they're going to trade Justin Fields and draft a quarterback at number one, probably Caleb Williams. Washington at two, uh, most likely they're going to go with the quarterback. And then the Patriots at three, who are obviously uh, in a state of flux with Bill Belichick no longer there. We don't know who – is there going to be a general manager? We just don't know what's going on in New England. But in my mock draft, that's where I had Marvin Harrison Jr. coming off the board, uh, which, you know, is a – it would be great for the Patriots. I don't know that would be great for Marvin Harrison Jr. when, you know, Mac Jones is your quarterback. They need to get better at that position, obviously. But, uh, you know, he is the type of weapon that you trade up for. So I think there will be a lot of interest in some of these other teams searching for a number one receiver. But, again, like I said, this is a wide receiver rich draft. Uh, Malik Neighbors from LSU, I think, is right behind Marvin Harrison Jr. And then Roma Dunze, I think, is right behind Malik Neighbors. Those three guys at the top, all three could be off the board in the top seven picks. Dane Brugler on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. So you mentioned – uh, Caleb Williams, interesting season at USC. Drake May, um, Jaden Daniels, JJ McCarthy. Um, you know, uh, there are some other guys as well. But I thought what was interesting is going into the season. I think we all assumed that this was going to be one of those years where people really coveted the quarterbacks in in this class, and yet it felt like Caleb Williams' stock took a tumble for one reason or another. Drake May's might have taken a a, a tumble or two, like. All these guys who are thought to be top three worthy quarterbacks have some dings on them. I'm just curious as to whether this is still the quarterback class we thought it would be with all this potential heading into the regular season this year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, these things are so cyclical throughout the calendar year. Uh, you know, it starts off with all this hype and all next year is going to be better. And uh, meanwhile, CJ Stroud's having one of the best rookie seasons the quarterbacks ever had. Uh, but, and so, you know, Caleb Williams, you know, he loses a few games down the stretch, has a bad Notre, Notre Dame game. Um, Drake may played well for most of the season, elevated the talent on his team. But then you watch the Clemson tape, you watch the NC state tape, 
and you see a really inconsistent player, especially uh, with the way he was forcing throws. Uh, so, you know, maybe a little bit down on those two players, but then it, as we get towards the draft, it'll kind of kick back up again. And so it's really a, a roller coaster when you talk about quarterback prospects and the draft process. We did it with, with CJ Stroud and, and, and uh, Bryce Young last year. Uh, but at the end of the day, those are going to be your first two picks. And then I think it'll be really interesting, Jane Daniels, coming in at quarterback three most likely. Where, How early do we see him come off the board? Is it as early as three to the Patriots? Uh, the Giants at six, I think, could be interested. Eight, the Falcons, we know they need a quarterback. And then you've got several teams that are in the teens that are going to be in the quarterback market. You're talking about the Broncos, uh, depending on what happens with Russell Wilson. Talking about... Uh, you know, the Raiders, they, they, they need to make a move. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins, we don't know long-term what's going to, the outlook there. New Orleans uh, with the Derek Carr situation. So plenty of quarterback need to go around uh, where those, uh, where that third quarterback comes off the board. And then the fourth quarterback, which I think is going to be JJ McCarthy. Uh, and, and McCarthy is a really difficult evaluation because he, Michigan just did not rely on him to be the guy that moved them up and down the field. They, he did, it was not a consistent downfield thrower because he didn't need to be. Uh, but he was really good on money downs, third and fourth down conversions. He has tools to work with. He's a young player, still just 20 years old. And the thing that scouts always talk about with J.J. McCarthy, McCarthy specifically is the intangibles. And I know people roll their eyes when we talk about win-loss record, but he was 27-1 and in college as a, as a starter with a national title. In, in high school, he was 36-2 and with a state championship. So he has won at every level, and the intangible factor is something, the leadership is something that all of the scouts talk about, all the coaches talk about. And that stuff is catnip during the draft process for NFL coaches. So J.J. McCarthy, I think, is more of a second-round graded player around the NFL. But when it comes draft time, it won't be surprising if he ends up going somewhere in the top 25. In my mock draft, I had him going to the Rams at number 20 as kind of the heir apparent eventually to Matthew Stafford. Dane Brugler on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. A little bit of Ohio State news to pass along. As Ohio State has made it official, Ross Bjork is their new athletic director. So interesting situation there. Not somebody off the Gene Smith AD tree and uh, also a school where there's a lot of NIL in play. But, you know, as we're on the topic of Ohio State, Will Howard, uh, former Kansas State mm -hmm. quarterback, huge Huge topic of conversation since he committed to Ohio State two weeks ago, and I'm just curious. Like, and I don't know if you 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 know draft analyst uh, draft analysts think the same way, uh, you know, we do. But I I saw a guy that's an upgrade over Kyle McCord. What do you see when you see Will Howard? Oh, no question. I think he's an upgrade, um, talent wise, upside wise. And, you know, it's funny, going back to last summer, I going over my quarterback list with, with a scout, and he, he brought up Will Howard. He's like, make sure you get eyes on him. I think he could end up being a third-round pick in April. And uh, obviously, Will Howard decided to go back to school to transfer. Uh, but scouts really like him, and it's obvious to see why. He is a good-sized athlete. Uh, he relies on his legs to bail him out. It's just an extra Quinshot, element to his game that defenses have to account for. Uh, he's tough. He'll look down the gun barrel. He'll fire passes really like his pocket movement. So I think there are some things that he offers that we just didn't see with, with Kyle McCord. And it starts with that mobility and it's not just being able to tuck and run. It's the mobility within the pocket. It's the ability with that size to take some of those hits, uh, and bounce off, uh, some of those hits and still make plays. That's where I think we'll see the biggest difference. And with all the players going back to Ohio state, Man, those, those expectations are going to be sky high this year.
You know, the one player I, I was just thinking about out loud it was was Quichon Judkins. Excuse me, it's tough to say for me. Yeah. Um, transfers in from from Ole Miss. What do we expect out of him for for the Buckeyes? And he is a no-nonsense runner. Um, as physical as he runs, he is a, a big-time athlete as well. So I'm, you know, he was a true sophomore, so wasn't draft eligible yet. But when you watch Ole Miss offense, or you're watching a, a defense that's playing Ole Miss, you can't help but you know your eyes gravitate towards him because he is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the way he runs the ball, no-nonsense mentality, gets downhill quickly. He's not going to dance all that much. He's going to find the hole, read the block, and he's going to hit it. Um, and he, he's a really good athlete. So the burst through the hole and then what he can do at the second level, um, those two guys, him and, and Travion Henderson, I, once I saw Judkins, Judkins was uh, transferring, I thought, oh, well, Henderson obviously made a decision. He's going pro, uh, probably going to be a top three back this year in the draft. No, he's staying put. And I, those two guys in the same backfield is a scary thought for defenses. Throw in Will Howard, what he can do with his legs. Um, I, you know, it's hopefully the Ohio State gets more consistency from the offensive line because the skill talent in that backfield has a chance to be really special. Dane, looking to that quarterback market again, the Browns might be in the room for, for another backup this year. We'll see what happens with Joe Flacco. They drafted DTR last year. A name that I heard from Browns fans that I, I don't know is going to be there, but as like a mid-round guy was Michael Penix Jr., do you see him mm -hmm. as a top 64 player? Where could he fall? And how do you think he fares in the NFL? I, I, he has mostly third-round grades from scouts uh, that I talked to. Uh, but we know quarterbacks always get that bump. So I think it, it would not be a surprise if he ends up somewhere in that second round. Uh, the medicals are a big part of his evaluation for season-ending injuries in Indiana before he transferred. Now, he was healthy the last two years at Washington. Um, you know, there's some inconsistencies to his game, but he's just a very natural thrower. Um, he is aggressive down the field, uh, takes advantages. Uh, he understands his, the matchups and where the defense can be vulnerable, and he exposes it really aggressive. You love that about him. Um, but I think, you know, he's going to be drafted somewhere on day two, and it, it, we'll see exactly where he ends up, and that'll, that'll play a part in, you know, what we think of him as a rookie in the NFL. He'll be – he just accepted a senior bowl invite, which would be a great opportunity for him to kind of – uh, say, you know, I'm not just a product of this offense. I'm not just a product of three really good receivers, the best offensive line. Um, you know, I, I can make plays too. So uh, going to, and Bo Nix will get the senior bowl as well. So plenty of opportunity for uh, some of those senior quarterbacks uh, to, to make a difference down in Mobile. And Michael Pratt as well, Tulane. If I'm, a, if I'm the Browns, that's the quarterback I'd probably be targeting in that fourth round range. Michael Pratt from Tulane, who I think is a real up and comer. Yeah, that's the guy I wanted to transfer to Ohio State back when he first put out that he wasn't going back to Tulane. I like the way you think. Mm -hmm. This is what – well, this is one of the myriad of reasons we have you on. Uh, Dane, great stuff, man. Any Super Bowl predictions before we let you go? Any hot takes on the playoffs? Uh, no hot takes. I mean, I'll, I, I, I want to see uh, I want to see the Bills and the 49ers in the, in the Super Bowl. That's what I want to see. And, hey, it's got a chance to happen with the way those two teams are playing. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, just, it's a shame the Browns aren't in it, but, uh, you know, we'll keep watching. Uh, my my partner is a big Bills fan. He used to play there, so he would like anybody but San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Am I right <laughs> on that, sure. Justin? Yes. Give me a Lions Bills Super Bowl. How about that? Give me give me a Baker no, Mayfield a, versus oh. Bills. <laughs> give me yeah. Baker versus Josh Allen all day. How about that? Yeah, I'll take the battle of Lake Erie Bills versus Lions there, and you know we battle got to support the Lake Erie. There we go. I like it.
I would be so torn because I like both teams and like both stories. Dane, great stuff, buddy. Appreciate you. All right, anytime. Thanks, guys. Dane Brugler of The Athletic. I want to get back to the second thing Dane had to say later in the show about where the Browns' needs are because I actually think it's I think it's a much better conversation this year than it was last year where when somebody's like, what's the Browns' biggest need? And you would just respond, yes. But there was a lot that happened yesterday on the station kind of reacting to the Browns, kind of reacting to the, the early exit, the blowout, however you want to frame it. And most of it I just thought was fair game. But I did hear Ken and Lima talking about Miles Garrett and how he didn't really show up in the playoff game, and they kind of made it a bigger – when I say bigger, they they start, they kind of combined that with the end of the regular season. And here's what, here's what they had to say on the matter. I can come up with all the different excuses I can, but they just become excuses. I can come up with double teams. I can come up with the shoulder injury. And some of these things are obviously legitimate, but they just turn into giant excuses. I do think it was a tale of two seasons before and after that that injury. I know a lot of guys are banged up now, so no one's going to care. Uh, part of the problem is he was not on national television almost all year. The Browns were not really featured. So the only time anybody got to see Miles, the Jets game, he did have a sack, right? And that was just a laugher Yeah. Uh, in this playoff game. And unfortunately, their entire scheme, again, was to get rid of the football fast. I love Miles, but I can only fight the narrative so much. We're going to go to the same exact spot next year. He's going to have a bunch of sacks. TJ Watt's going to have a bunch of sacks, and they're going to say TJ Watt's better. I mean, you can say what you want to about Micah Parsons. It always seems that because we're in the same division, we play each other and we hate each other, it's always going to be TJ Watt or Miles Garrett, and that's the way it's going to be. So I'll be honest with you, and and I don't think Lima was doing this. For once, I think it was Ken that was doing it. Um, guys, why are we not exalting Miles Garrett playing through the shoulder injury? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Like, did anybody see the man looked like Hercules the first 10 I weeks mean, the of the season? I mean, the man looked like Hercules. And then we saw it for the first time in the, what, the third, fourth quarter of the Denver game? Or was it might have been the Rams game where the guy couldn't use his arm. So I actually like if you want to talk about the double teams, that's fair. Every great player in the NFL, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, they throw a lot of attention your way. So that does not make Miles different than any other great player in the NFL, and especially great pass rushers. But the the shoulder thing's a real thing. Like, I, I'm okay with saying the shoulder injury maybe curtailed the Browns' ability to compete, but to put it on Miles, like, I'll, I'll be honest right now, guys, that dude played through six or seven straight games with one arm.
And even though the arm seemed to be getting incrementally better, there's no way the arm wasn't an issue. And, you know, in previous years, Miles would have talked about the arm being an issue. This year, I think we all saw a, a, a guy who didn't necessarily want to make that excuse. I'll make that excuse for him. It's not an excuse. When you're a pass rusher, and more specifically, you're a hand in the dirt pass rusher. Shoulder that I would I would say that the ability to draw double and triple teams or double teams with a chip, I would imagine that's going to impact your shoulder more than if you were a three four edge rusher and you're playing in space a little bit more. So I just I I heard Ken talk about it, and I know what Ken's really doing. Ken's not really criticizing Miles. He's more talking about. Defending Miles in a bigger conversation on a national level against the the Yinzer idiots about TJ Watt. I don't care. I am so over other people defining whether Miles is great or not because they're wrong, because they're biased against Miles. And the idea that those five games, six games, whatever it was, seven games that he played with a bum shoulder are an excuse I vehemently disagree with. Everything else, if you want to, if you think that Miles had one sack after Thanksgiving because of the defensive attention, excuse. If you think it is they didn't move him around enough, excuse. If you want to think it's anything other than the injury, it's an excuse. But I just, it, there's this weird cognitive discord with Miles Garrett that there isn't in any other team in the town or any other player in the town. Any other player was as dominant as Miles has been to this point in his career. Any other player won two play or sorry, went to two playoff appearances and won in Pittsburgh, you know, four years ago. Any other player would be given the all-time hall pass of all time for Miles Garrett, or sorry, for any player, that they would never be criticized again. And yet a two days after you get skunked by Houston, where their entire plan was we're going to get the ball out in record time, which is 100% because of the importance of Miles Garrett. I don't care that Filipponi's saying it. I don't care that any national knob is saying it. If anybody thinks that Deshaun's, or Deshaun, Miles' shoulder is an excuse and not a reality, I'm sorry, you're being disloyal to a great player. And it is high time. And this time, listen, if, you're, if, the, if the jury's still out on Deshaun Watson, I, I get it, man. I feel a lot pluckier than most people in this town do, but I understand the nuance of the Deshaun conversation, right? If you still have really almost anybody else on this roster that you're, ah, you know, I really like the player, but dot, 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 I'll get it. But for some reason, and guys, we've done it too. I'm not saying that we, we've, we've gone too hard at miles as well, but I don't know how you look at what that guy did healthy this year, 13 sacks. By the way, it should be a, a 14th sack because of the Jacksonville game with the, but that's special teams and we don't count that. But I digress. But I, I I don't give a damn that he had one sack in five or six games because the reality is the guy still absolutely impacted the other way and the way that other offensive coaches play in the game. So I, maybe maybe I'm just misquoting Ken here or taking Ken out of context because I don't want to make it just about Ken. It is the Miles Garrett conversation. I have no idea how every time something happens bad with the Browns, it turns into we've got to talk about whether Miles is really that great or not. Or we, oh, well, you know, he, he didn't produce the same way. Yes, there's a valid reason, and there's a mile-wide gap between an excuse and a valid reason. I think that Miles has had 
to me, his best season by far. I thought he did a really good job against the run. I thought in the past he took plays off. I thought this year, you know, granted he was battling an injury and his impact didn't quite feel as, as strong in the, the playoff game. But it doesn't matter, man. There were, there were at least three, four games where I think he single-handedly won them the game. And I, like, I think some of those happened down the stretch. Like the damnedest thing of it with one arm. I think he was still a pretty commanding player. He was not as consistent. He clearly didn't have the same sack numbers. But I just, the, the guy's been here seven years. And more so than any other player this side of Joe Thomas. And, and obviously Nick Chubb, because Nick Chubb was, I think, the 35th or 33rd pick in the draft. But of all the, the first rounders the Browns have had since 99, he has fulfilled the promise of that selection. I don't get, I mean, I, I get like, if you say, well, what more that I want out of Miles is I want playoff wins. Cool. It's not Miles' fault they lost. It's not. Did the defense come out soft? Yes. Is Miles the face of the defense? Yes. But there are 10 other dudes, and Miles Garrett, as far as I know, doesn't cover uh, 5 to 7 to 10 to 15 yards of soft coverage. That had a lot more to do with the way the Texans were playing, guys. Your coverage is why you lost. Your defense is why you lost this game, quite frankly. Your defense, which was number one in the NFL, which was King Bleep, your defense is why you lost. But with the way C.J. Stroud and the Texans were attacking you, it was a lot about the coverage these guys were put in and the fact that it was 5, 7, 10, 15 yards of soft coverage. That Miles Garrett has nothing to do with that. And when they're getting the ball out in two seconds, and unless Miles figures out teleportation to, to go from five feet away to in C.J. Stroud's lap, Within a half second, not a damn thing. This is how, and by the way, TJ Watt, this happens to TJ Watt. By the way, Micah Parsons, the almighty Micah Parsons, who's a hell of a player, by the way. Micah Parsons has games where teams find a way to neutralize him. The idea that Miles Garrett's the only guy who's not allowed to have either a bad game or a game where he's neutralized or where they just choose, we, we're going to live with getting the ball out quickly so we don't have to live with Miles Garrett kicking the crap out of our rookie quarterback. Like, He's the only player in the damn NFL that can have a bad game, and I, I, Tiger must get out of the cage, and people like Pony and and people like that who are haters come after Miles Garrett. And I just, I no longer give a damn about what anybody outside of Cleveland thinks. And if you're in Cleveland and you don't respect what Miles has done, maybe you're not a real Browns fan. I'm sorry to be that guy. I don't know how a dude has 88 sacks in seven years. A guy who is clearly the greatest pass rusher we've had since, I don't know, Michael Dean Perry or before. I have no idea how you come away with any of this being on Miles. Also, CLE for Life saying, I don't want to hear it. Miles needed to figure out a way to show up in the biggest game. I tore my rotator cuff in church league softball, and I was still hitting dingers. Gotta love the dingers. Listen, I mean, the guy's clearly a gamer. All right. The guy clearly is tougher than Miles. That's what the the, the that's what's at, at heart here. Real quick, let's go with Bill. Bill, welcome to the show, Bill. Hey fellas, how you doing? Doing well, buddy. What you got? Well, so my my question is, you know, these guys weren't completing a lot of passes against us. You know, I mean, didn't we have like the best uh, secondary coverage? in the NFL, you know, or at least uh, the, the one kid, 23, I think he was, he was up there. Um, 
in his percentages or whatever. But is there a way to even tighten that up a little bit more, disguise coverages, so that quick release forces turnovers, interceptions, that kind of thing? Like, what do we do? Did they figure out how to stop Miles from getting all these sacks going forward? Um, I think the simplest thing to do with uh, is not cover so soft. Like, I, and granted, Greg Newsom, MJ Emerson, Denzel Ward, there's a lot of moments they want back, but I, I think soft coverage is what did you in. And for whatever reason, yeah. Jim Schwartz clung to that, uh, like Leo on the, 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 the what is credenza in Titanic. Well, what about what that uh, guy did to, to the uh, cheetah the other night? You know, jamming. Like, we don't, we don't jam. We don't jam guys like, like the dogs did. We got to jam them. Bill, we appreciate you, buddy. I see you. 216-474-0092. Should have taken a, a, a cue from this, this show. They should have jammed him up. You just jammed up Nico Collins. Maybe you would have won that game. I'm, I'm just curious where you guys are on the Miles Garrett stuff. We played the Ken audio. It was not to call Ken out or call out the morning show. It was more specific. Like, that conversation happened a lot after the Houston game. It's a fair criticism for somebody outside of Cleveland to make. I just don't understand why Miles is not Teflon to this point. And I know that there have been some times where younger Miles hurt, you know, his his image. I know that there are people who kind of hold Miles accountable for the Browns' lack of consistent winning. Um which we don't do with Joe Thomas. I just think that's really interesting how there are some guys we give the ultimate pass to. And I I kind of think, like, I think the big takeaway is this dude, if Miles had done what was best for Miles, which was after the Rams game, came out and said, I wish I could, but I can't continue on in these games. You don't make the playoffs. Like, you were 7-5. and five. You take Miles off that defense, even a less effective version of Miles, you're probably a nine-win team. You probably go, that make you two, and math is so hard, two and three down the stretch, at best. That's the kind of impact Miles had just by playing, just because opposing offensive coordinators had to pay that kind of attention to him. And it's not the way I've... And it's, I don't know if it's the biggest thing. I don't know if it's... But, like, the number one thing I've heard of that defense is, well, why didn't Miles show up? He was rocking one arm. And, like, he had he had a real serious shoulder injury. He was playing through an injury. I don't know why he doesn't get that kind of protection when, honestly, if Joe had played, uh, Joe Thomas had played in Brown's playoff game and played poorly, we'd say, well, he's hurt. If Joe Flacco had played poorly on Sunday and he was coming off uh, an ankle injury, yeah. we would have, uh, he was hurt. What can you do? That's a dude that's been in town eight weeks. I just can't figure out. I, and honestly, it's been befuddling for a while now. I think it's just part of it, like, Miles' persona and how he, he presents himself. Like, he doesn't come across as the typical badass, like, pass rusher. And mm-hmm. it's it's not his fault. Like, that's just who he is. His personality is just a little bit different than what you kind of would expect for someone to be as dominant as he is. Is it because he's a nerd? I think that's part of it, yeah. That's weird It's to not me. fair. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just telling my opinion on as to why some people don't think that he's just this monster is because I think he's just kind of like soft-spoken and just goes about his business. And you, you want someone that's going to be like 
you know, like Bruce Smith or Ray Lewis or Reggie White or like someone's just going to be like in your face and like nasty. I, I think the guy's as nasty as they come. I would I would be it'd be really interesting if we could resim the universe. If you put Miles Garrett in Pittsburgh and TJ Watt in Cleveland, how different their stats look. Because I, I think TJ and this is I don't want to turn it into Miles versus TJ because that becomes a tedious stat argument, but you could not put a young edge rusher in a better spot than what TJ landed in, right? Uh, the his, the historical success of the defense there and just being able to culturally rebuild every single year. Uh, the fact that you had, had a head coach that had, at that point been in, in well, I think, tw- 12, 13 years, the stability around him, the ability to draft and develop around him, having Cam Hayward amongst other guys in front of you. Like, Miles literally walked into a shell of an organization. And the guy has matured and gotten better and been a better football player every single year. Yeah. And I just I think it's time he gets the superstar tre- treatment in Cleveland. Outside of Cleveland, I don't give a damn. Miles is on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Right? So what what anybody in Pittsburgh says or what anybody in Dallas says between Micah Parsons and Miles Garrett, it doesn't matter to me. But <laughs> here in Cleveland, for some reason, it bugs me a hell of a lot more that we're we're painting the shoulder injury as an excuse instead of what I think it really is, which is a valid reason why he didn't have as many sacks in the final six, seven games of the season as he did when he shot out of the gate and had, you know, multiple sack games and looked like he was going to be easily on his way to 20 sacks. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.